off his rest. We have him back, ladies and gentlemen. The gamer himself, Christian Brewer. Christian, welcome back. Yes, How you feel on this fantastic, sunshiny Monday? I'm doing all right, and feel free to kick in a little Eminem instrumental if you uh, so choose. The the without me or whatever one, I I forget the name. That guess who's back? But uh, you know, dude, I'm feeling well. Um, doing all right. I feel like I've already been through the worst of this, and it's all uphill from here. So, yeah, I'm gonna apologize to the folks at home right now. My voice sounds scratchy. Uh, I just got back from a small little trip. My best friend's out in Nashville, and then last night we was able to uh enjoy some live music and the band play a lot of good covers and uh yeah I was singing along pretty loud I was screwing awesome. fire up chips as loud as I could so uh if I sound scraggly a little bit um that's why because I I sounded worse yesterday not great today but let's move back on to sports here uh awesome they talked about this last week right before tip off and uh he took Zaga I took Baylor although my bracket said uh Baylor um Baylor went up winning the game uh, 86 70 uh Christian, I had not seen that kind of game coming. What are your thoughts on that, my man? Not at all. Not at all. I guess I didn't watch enough Baylor basketball uh, to see that coming because they were, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020 and everybody's saying now, you're like, oh, is this one of the best teams ever? Which, yeah, I mean, two losses. And the only reason they had those two losses is because they were coming off a COVID pause. So, um, I, you know, this isn't just a flash in the pan. Uh, this is just a team that wanted it more. You know, you watch the first. I would say six, seven minutes and Baylor was hitting every shot and the ones they were missing, they were just crashing the glass, going after it. Gonzaga wasn't helped by the fact that their best player had two fouls early, but um, not, it was just a thorough effort from Baylor. Never let it get close. Uh, they controlled the game from the tip and and I think the score reflected that. Absolutely. Uh, Phil's cute track at home. My stat bracket, my fancy one, wanted finishing fifth in my, in my pool. Um, my younger brother, who watched zero college basketball all season, still beat me barely because he had Baylor win the title. So I am still very upset about that. But I thought Christian hit right in the head, everything. Uh, Baylor just caught fire early. Uh, Suggs fed a sit with two fouls for most of the first half. And uh, Baylor never let their foot off the gas. And, you know, like we mentioned, like, yeah, they're probably, probably should have had a little more attention on Baylor. Like you mentioned, those two games they lost just coming off COVID, like, you and I being Central Michigan, you see what happens when teams come off COVID and you know fall flat. Yeah. But hey, great for Baylor. Um, I was still still waiting to see Gonzaga finally, you know, get their true moment. Yeah. Um, but happened one day. But congrats, congrats to Baylor. Uh, moving on here now. Today for me was national holiday. Uh and it's because for me, anything free agency, draft, or trade deadline related for me, it's a holiday. And today we have the NHL trade deadline. So I'm going to throw a couple of trades here. I'm going to trade, save the three wings trades for last. Okay. Because the last one of the wings made today, oh my Great. God, did not Great. see coming. We'll save that one for a little bit because yeah. I have a rant. But some of the big trades happen here. First things first. Um, the trade I didn't see coming. The player, yes. The team location, the package, no. Taylor Hall. I'll wait to see what's going to happen with him in Buffalo this year. We thought it was going to be great. Spoiler alert, it was not. Correct. Buffalo off the freaking freaking rails. They deal him and Curtis Lazar. Make sure it's helpful right? To the Boston Bruins for one player back and only a second-round pick. Only a second-rounder for a former number one overall pick and former MVP. Overall thoughts on that one? 
you know, I think it's, it has the potential to be a real big steal for the Bruins. I mean, uh, usually you get a player of his caliber, uh, you're going to need to give up an arm and a leg, but this is a case where he wasn't happy. Uh, the team wasn't happy. They were just not in a good spot. Um, and you had to make that trade. So they, I mean, credit to Buffalo, they were able to get something back, but, uh, Taylor Hall's a good pickup. And if he can get it back on the road and, um, figure whatever he's got going on out, uh, it could be dangerous. Yeah. This is why I think, I think a little time will tell for Boston and Buffalo for me, obviously gets like a C minus T plus on this. Like, yeah. Holy smoke. That's the best you can get. But for me with Boston, I'm going to rule incomplete. If right now as a stands, B plus A minus, great pickup. I don't think he's kind of, I don't think he needs a little time to get his confidence boosted back up. But yeah. to my knowledge, Taylor Hall wanted to go to a place where he could sign an extension. I think Boston was up there on his radar. If Boston's able to resign him and get him to a point where he can put up like at least 25 goals a season, like A plus, easy. Uh, Boston can run away with this trade for a very long time. But we'll see again. A lot of these trades, you got to see what happens when they play out. So another trade here. Uh, Jeff Carter was still from Los Angeles to Pittsburgh in exchange for conditional, conditional third-round pick in 2022 and conditional fourth-round pick in 2023. Obviously, Jeff Carter is in the back end of his career. But for Pittsburgh, get a little more depth here. I mean, does this help Pittsburgh? Yeah, in a way, like you said, it gives them depth. And I think that this is their last go around. I mean, there's talk that Sidney Crosby could be dealt next year um, if things don't pan out. So I think I do. I think this is their last true run. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's essentially all or nothing. I don't think giving up those picks hurts them. Um, and it's a good depth addition. So, you know, here's the one last run for the uh, – What's the saying? Fallout boy, one more nine. Thanks for the memories. So here you go. I uh, can't believe. Oh, I, I never thought you'd ever make a fall boy reference ever that on this show, but so good. I love that song. <laughs> um, you know, for me, um, yeah, like you mentioned, this is kind of a big run for Pittsburgh here. And honestly, a lot of people thought Jeff Carter was going to retire as the LA King. And, you know, thinking back at it now, I thought I was one of those guys, but. I mean, if you could have uh, Jeff Carter, Sidney Crosby, and Vigny Malkin 10 years ago, we're talking about a totally different hockey team. But obviously it's 2021, not 2010-2011. But I think Carter can still be productive. I think he's still still enough skater where he can, you know, fly around the ice still. But, you know, I think, like we mentioned a lot of times, that division of Pittsburgh and Washington, like, it's loaded. you got to find a way to get depth and make sure you want the top four teams that, you know, because – we agree to the gate. One really good team is going to get stuck on the outside looking in. Uh, is this trade going to put them over the hump to keep them there? We'll see. The package they give up, not a, not a whole lot. So good risk, low reward. I'm sorry, low risk. Maybe the best, a moderate reward. I won't say a high you know, high reward, but just a trade you needed. So that's mm-hmm. one last one before we get to the wings picks, uh, wings trades here. Uh, Toronto, Toronto Maple believes we're willing to add anybody and anyone. Waymo thought Taylor Hall could be the guy. Instead, kind of a dark horse name that I think a lot of you know cash hockey fans don't really know, but they need to know. So Toronto adds Nick Feligno and Steven Winston, but that's not the big part of this trade. Uh, they acquire him from Columbus in exchange for a first-round pick in 2021 and a fourth-round pick in 2022. 
San Jose also gets a fourth-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, the reason behind that, Columbus is still eating part of Flignol's salary, and San Jose is also taking on 25% of Flignol's salary in exchange for the fourth-round pick, which is nothing we've seen before, really. I mean, a third team getting in to take salary. Uh, Wings did this in another trade where uh, they had Sad David Savard going over. But um, Toronto's been rolling. Is Flegel yeah. really the guy to help like make sure they get over the top? I mean, and I think I think you talked about this in a in a previous episode about some of the struggles that they've had in the postseason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, what better year than now? Um, Flegel's a good name. It's a name that I'm not super hip to, um, but I I mean I know he's a good player, so um, should be interesting to follow along with that. Um, Again, the, the package is interesting considering they're they're eating all that salary. Um, so I almost said eating all that celery. Um, <laughs> well. um, but no, I think it's a good addition. And um, I guess only time will tell if uh, if, Tor- if this is the move that uh, passes Toronto along. It's like a checkpoint. You got to show your ID and maybe this addition will be the one that gets them, the, uh, gets them past their struggles. <clears throat> Yeah, I think Fleetwood for them is like the perfect second, third line player that that they made that you could debate they were missing. Just one more good veteran forward who can do a lot of things well. Um, package like you mentioned though, Columbus did pretty well I thought because both the guys they dealt Savard and Fleetwood. As sounds like Fleetwood's most likely to come back to Columbus in the off season. Savard may be the same way, and if that, this does happen. And Toronto doesn't, you know, Toronto doesn't do what they doesn't, you know, get where they need to be. Which I think for them, it's like right now they're sitting up our bus. If they can't get by Tampa or the other, the other two teams in the final four, like this is going to be one of the things. He's give up a first and a fourth, and it's all for Nick Foligno. He can't even make the finals. Like this is a big one for them. Like this is the big roll of dice. Like this is your big move. Like. Taylor Hall or maybe another guy, which we'll get to in a little bit. We're still available at this point, but I get it. Flingo's a great guy, does a lot of things, but I'm not 100% sure if that was the right thing at the right price. But, again, time will tell. So, three three ring trades I'll talk about. Because I already hinted that the deal they made uh, with Brian Lashoff to take on cap space as part of David Savard deal. Three other trades here. I'll talk about the two lowball ones and the one that made me go holy smokes this morning to see my office. Um, John Merrill to Montreal for a fifth-round pick in 2021 and Hayden Verbeek, who happens to be the son of Steve Arzerman's right-hand man, Pat Verbeek. Um, yeah. What do you think of this one? Shoot. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Sorry, I was muted. Um, but yeah, it's a good move. I like it. Um, it's not huge. It doesn't necessarily move the needle, but, um, you get a, you get another draft pick and, and Verbeek's another guy that I think is okay. Um, I think he can do, you know, he can come in and contribute. So, um, again, not the, not the big one, like we'll talk about, but a good move nonetheless. Yeah. Apparently nepotism is a well alive in the Rebings organization because, the Wings also drafted Chris Draper's son this year in the draft. So now you have Verbeek's yeah. son and Draper's son. Uh, to my knowledge, CBY has a couple girls, so we won't see that. But Never know. You know, for, you know, for a guy who's almost had a one-year deal, who wanted to be in Detroit, you get a fifth and another player for him. Like, 
you know, I get it. It makes sense. It's a good deal, honestly, because, like, I don't think Meryl have gotten anything more than the fifth. But, I mean, it's one of those, like, oh, okay, we get it. Makes sense. And the next deal we'll talk about is probably the same way. Patrick Nemeth, Nemeth, not Mammoth, again. Patrick Nemeth goes back to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for a fourth round pick in 2022. You kind of feel about this one the same way. I feel about this one the same way, but Colorado gets a guy that they're familiar with. I mean, how hard is that to find nowadays? Yeah, no kidding. It, it, it is extremely hard to find. It's not something you see too often. Um, yeah. It, my, my feelings on this one are very similar to the, to the last one. It's just kind of a, it's a good move, um, good compensation, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really move the needle. Now, finally, the big one. I did not see this one coming. I don't think anybody in the NHL world saw this coming. I don't even think the people that, I don't think even the, the players that got dealt saw it coming. Um, we mentioned the, a couple of weeks ago the disastrous drafting of Detroit sports, and we're talking about Anthony Mantha. Um, <laughs> Mantha's gone. Uh, Anthony Mantha dealt to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Richard Panic, Jacob Verena, a 2021 first and a 2022 second. Holy smokes, Christian. Um, just your initial thoughts, and then I'll go on my long right here. No, it's a wonderful deal, man. It, uh, you know, I was looking at, at some of the stats where, you know, Rana, they said, is a, is kind of a, a contributor that's on par with what Manta was doing. He's younger. I mean, this is a dude that could – this is a fleecing the likes of which is unknown to mankind if it, if it turns out for, you know, in favor of the Red Wings. Obviously, Manta's still a good player, um, and he's going to be an asset. But, man, what a move. Stevie Why? Injected into my veins. I never thought in a million years that Anthony Mantha would bring back a bigger package than Taylor Hall on a trade deadline day. Yeah. Never thought that. Oh, my God. Got a big – got a 40 extension in the offseason this past year. Richard Panic. okay, two more years. He's about 1.7 mil on the cap. Not bad. Verona. Uh, both Verona and Mantha are former top fifth or former first round picks. Verona was 14 over on 14, same year as Larkin. But another first and a second for next year. Yeah. Remember, right? The Wings don't have two firsts, three seconds, two thirds, two fourths, two fifths in this year's draft. <laughs> and my guess is that Washington pick has a shot of still being about low 20s. If things don't go right, they're, if their young goal setting falls apart, like. Uh-huh. You know, then we could be talking about them being, you know, the fifth, the fifth team in that division. I mean, and just for a guy like Verona and Manta, you can mention we're on party talent. Like, what's the difference between the two? It's just Manta's bigger. Mm-hmm. That's it. Cause he's like six sports or whatever. Like, you know, I'm happy now because I can finally stop defending Manta. I really can. So I tried for the longest time, but still like a big guy, speed, good shot. Cool. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, you know, another big Ken Holland guy is gone. Yeah. It's kind of a one kind of a beautiful transition around here, you know. It's uh cool to see. You know, but I'm excited for these picks. Um no good luck to Anthony Mantha, good luck to the caps. Uh 
you know, maybe put him on line with Ovechkin and Backstrom. It's going to be uh, interesting, but mm-hmm. now we'll see what happens here. For sure, for sure. So let's get the quarters here. Let me, because you didn't worry about talk about quarter last week. I'll let you go first. This okay, week sound yeah. good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't have a ton to say, but I would like to touch on the transfer portal. I think that's going to be where I, I go to my topic today. A um, lot of, lot has been made about um, whether or not kids should be able to, to jump from school to school like leapfrog or like frogs go on lily pads now, uh, which is kind of what's happening. I mean, verbal commits their transfer portal. Um, They've logged, uh, gosh, I think it was like 1,400 people in the portal. Obviously not going to be a home for everybody there. Um, uh, And and it's hitting us locally too here. The Central Michigan men's basketball team, they've had five guys enter the portal uh, and a sixth guy go pro. I think it's incredibly interesting to follow um, who goes, who stays, because it really is a game now. Roster building – is a game at this point. It used to be you recruit kids for, and they'd come, they'd stay for four years or until they thought they were good enough to go to the pros and then they'd leave. Now it's, you get a kid for a year and if he doesn't do what he wants, he's, he's going and he's entering the portal and he's, um he's leaving. At least that's how it seems on the surface. But I think when you, and, and something that needs to be considered when we have this argument is what these kids are told when they are recruited, because um, recruiting's a game too, man. It's you get, you know, everybody tells you something. Um, I was speaking with uh, a player um, who is at, at the Division Two level, who I know, and um, he said that a lot of this can be tied back to the fact that when a coach sits in your living room, um, he tells you something. He'll tell you something, and a lot of kids go and have the experience that isn't what they're told, and as a result. Uh, they decide to go find a new place. And that's why I think we need to empathize a little bit more with these players who decide to transfer. Now, granted, not everybody's being lied to. Um, I think that's important to notice. There's obviously always two sides to every story. Um, But I think that the stigma surrounding transferring, I think, needs to go by the wayside because at the end of the day, I'll kind of wrap it up here, um, coaches can leave and coaches can come and go um, they can set up shop, build a program, and then just leave everybody in the dust on the flip of a coin. So why shouldn't players be able to do the same? Um, and that's why I'm a big fan of the one year uh, or the one time um, blanket waiver where you can transfer one place and not have to sit out. So uh, that's kind of my thought. That's kind of my take on the transfer portal and where um, that's where I stand. Right on, right on. Can't say I disagree with a lot of what you said. Big deal, totally honest with you. It made a lot of sense. Uh, for me this week, um, I talked about this last week in the episode with Austin. And uh, I mentioned I'm a big wrestling guy, pro wrestling guy. And this weekend happened to be uh, WrestleMania. Two-night event. It was great. Uh, first time you had pro wrestling in front of fans in over a year. Um, you know, it's for wrestling fans uh, like me. It's our Super Bowl. It's our World Series. It is the one or this now two nights out of the year where we just like shut down, sit down, do nothing and just sit in front of a TV and just watch people beat the crap out of each other, which, yeah, I get it. Oh, it's free. It's just stigma behind it. Um, it's predetermined and they, they can, they're still like legit shots of it, like major catastrophic injuries. So 
for me, also as a journalism major, um, really interesting storytelling in here too. Yeah. Which I think I think kind of gets a little disrespected. Like, yeah, there's a entertainment value to it, but also it's a story you tell about feuds and everything else like that. So for me, I was ecstatic over the weekend, even though I missed the first night. Got to watch the second night all last night. But we got WrestleMania back. Wrestling was back in front of fans. And it was, as one wrestler would say, glorious. Yeah. So that wraps up Mitch's corner. Probably one of the shortest one of, uh, of the season. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. So moving on to the next topic here. I brought this up with Austin last week. I'm going to bring it back up with you. So I'm going to throw out a couple of rumors that maybe are floating around the sports field right now. And this is kind of NFL heavy. So are you ready? Yes. So you're going to tell me whether you buy or sell these rumors. Number one. Yeah, go ahead. So the first one I have, this is a report that came out last night this morning. Apparently had to do with the Denver Broncos and the Matthew Stafford. Oh, where's he going to go? Apparently the Broncos have made an offer. So the offer was apparently Denver was going to send the number nine overall pick to Detroit in exchange for Matthew Stafford and a second-round pick. Do you buy that absolute atrocious lowball of an offer? Now, first, before you get into that, I would like to say I listened to the episode, um, the, uh, the last week's episode, so I was familiar with the buy or sell. Um, but if, if, you know, I am going to buy it, and I'm going to say I'm going to pay my respects to um, – I, th- I think George Patton would have been in the job at that time. I'm um, just going to pay my respects to him because that is a terrible offer in retrospect compared to what the Lions got. But I'll buy it. Um, I'm sure that they that was kind of the base move. I'm pretty sure uh, that they were probably unfamiliar with what everybody else was offering um, and what they were bringing to the table. So I'll buy it. Excuse me, I'll buy it. And um, But again, woof. I really don't want to buy this. I really don't. This is just so pathetic. It's bad, especially seeing what you know. We what Detroit and I'm getting. Like, I I'm sorry. I'm selling this personally. I am like, I don't see how an organization can make that awful of an offer. <laughs> I don't <laughs> get it. I give us like for Stafford in like a seventh. Okay, yeah. we can consider this here, but like be these about like. You want um, a quarterback that has been like probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks the past decade and a second rounder, and you're you're only going to give up number nine? Yeah, no kidding. I don't see a serious, legit NFL organization or executive that would seriously consider even throwing that offer out. Yeah. Granted, though, we are talking about the Denver Broncos trading their hands on the quarterback, and I don't think they're the best of assessing that outside of Peyton Manning and Jake Plummer since Elway retired. So, but I'm going to sell this one because I just don't want to be true so bad. (laughs) All right, number two, the Washington football team, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke. Rumor has it, Washington is eyeing an all-in trade package to get their hands on Trey Lance. Buy or sell? Ooh. Um, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Um, because a lot of people want in on the quarterbacks. And I think Washington thinks that they're a piece or two away from being a serious contender. So 
Um, I don't necessarily buy that they're a contender, but uh, I'll buy that they're going all in to try and get one of these quarterbacks because I think this class is much better than next year's. And um, I think the time is now to get a young guy on a friendly team, friendly deal. Um, so if they've got the pieces, then then go after it. Yeah. I'm selling the living sh- shit out of this rumor. Um, I'm selling a bad. Uh, I don't, I think some of the pieces they still need and how young they are. They still have some probably more of the pieces on offense. They still need receivers. They still need probably running back. They need someone to go with Antonio Gibson. Probably some work in the secondary, maybe outside linebacker. Um, but you have Fitzpatrick on your deal, and you mentioned your quarterback in a team-friendly deal. Like they still have Taylor Heineke, who, by the way, the only player you could say what quarterback could play better against Tampa Bay down the stretch. Only player, only quarterback you say play better against Tampa Bay than Taylor Heineke was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's true. In my opinion. Like, his first playoff start, and he does that, and keeps him with an eight points. Like, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like, it's Brady in January. Like, I think they want to see what they have with him. Because, again, it was a two-year, $8 million deal. You bring in Fitzpatrick for a year. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So, yeah. So, I think they want to see what they have a Heineke. Because, obviously, the defense is going to be good enough where – you know, you had to go through three or four quarterbacks last year with Haskins, Smith, Heineke. And that defense is the defense is only getting better. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can get one or two more receivers, then short up the O-line. And Heineke is, like, a top 20 quarterback. Like, I can, I feel like they could be the second best team in that division. At worst, they're the third best. They get, they're able to, worst case, they're going to get a top, 10, top 15 pick next year. See the quarterback classes like, or best case scenario, they win the division about ten and six somehow. Yeah, like it's not that bad of a scenario for them. And like I think we saw what San Francisco to get to go to three. What's going to take for them down in nineteen to get up to a top ten pick to try and get uh, Trey Lance? I think we'll do more harm than good. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Last time I tried to do this, it blew up right in their face. It did. To be honest, not wrong. So, so yeah, I'm selling this rumor big time. And number three, I just want to ask you this: I gave mine last year, last week. Matt Jones is the guy at three by herself. I'm selling that. I'm out. Um, I, there's connections, and you can throw darts at the board, and and that sort of thing. Um, and I certainly think that it's, it's, he's, they're obviously not out on him. I'd like to get out ahead of that. I'm not saying they're out on him. Um, but I'm going to say that they're going to evaluate this. They're going to look at it. And when draft night rolls around, San Francisco is going to take Justin Fields third of all, third overall, because they'd be silly not to. All right. I gave my take last week. So, yeah. so if you want to hear that, go to last week's episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. So. So next time we're here, let's go to quick thoughts. Christian, what do you have for us here? Uh, first up, I want to know, um, and you kind of already got into this, but trade deadline, instant reaction. I want your best trade, worst trade, and who now, or I, I winner and loser is kind of cliche, so I want to know who's your title favorite after the trade deadline. So best trade, worst trade, title favorite. Title favorite still Tampa. I'm close. Um, 
I think Toronto's getting good goaltending now from Jack Campbell, but I'm not buying that he's going to carry that for the rest of the season. I think he has about five more really good starts. So it doesn't matter for that. I think, you know, it's going to cool off at some point, although I may be able to have to swallow those words down in, in the summer. We'll see. Um, best trade for me, definitely wings. Uh, the package you got for Mantha. Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Um, no trade really made me go, maybe go like woof or wow, that's awful. But I think the return that – I'm sorry. You saw, the, you saw the return New Jersey got for trading him last season, season of Arizona. The return that Buffalo got for Taylor Hall for me makes that the worst trade, at least for that. Like, that's just – this Buffalo squad is going to get blown up in the next two years, and that means Eichel's probably going to make the boot too. I mean, they got so much good young talent with, like, yeah. Eichel, Middlestat. Uh, Rasmus Ali, Rasmus Ristolainen, and it's just they have not been able to figure it out since about 2007, and it is so frustrating. Yeah, to see Buffalo, you know where they are. Like just like I heard this comparison like last week. It was like they're basically all the Cle- what the Cleveland Browns were for the longest time, but for the NHL, like right. doesn't matter what talent you get in there, it, you're it's not going to work. So yep, that's right. just that question there for you. So, number two, I want to know, um, are you a golf guy? Did you get to watch the Masters? Uh, Hideki Matsuyama wins. Um, uh, you know, what were your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I do. I got to watch a lot of the early stuff in the mornings because uh, during nights I was doing some other activities with friends, and I'll leave it at that. Um, I keep forgetting you're on vacation. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah, Matsuyama winning. Um, yeah, I did not – wasn't even close to picking that. Um, I was hoping Spe- uh, Jordan Spieth was going to get the win. Uh, I was hoping Justin Rose could hang on, but, you know, hey, good for him. It was awesome. Uh, always fun to see um, – watch Augusta in April. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun Masters tournament. I think I watched a lot of the early stuff, and that's getting about it. All right, and then my third – uh, quick topic for you here is your gambling. How is the gambling going? Um, are we up units? Uh, how's the last week been? Um, I'm starting. Uh, I did hit a baseball parlay right before I left. Uh, you know, I've been I've been trying to figure out baseball a little bit. I'm just trying to play in pitching matchups. I'm doing okay with that. Uh, NHL says quite not been as solid. Uh, NBA, I'm not even touching anymore. I can't. So, unless we went on the baseball right now, I didn't really feel comfortable with it. That's kind of about it right now. So, but what I started to do now is, uh, I guess I go with the Barstool app. I'll play like Blackjack on there, but I'll play like 10 cent wager a hand. And once I get to the point where I win about 50, 60 cents, I'll take that and then use that to bet on a parlay. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Perfect. So, there you go. Yeah. Yep, so uh, that's kind of how uh, Mitch's gamble has been uh, going or uh, not going. That's what we'd like to see. <laughs> All right, so what if segment we brought last week, Austin and I broke, broke down what was our uh, NHL team, but sorry, tell us what those two seasons would be like. Uh, you weren't born for that era, so this one I think you were, you were probably a little, t- little one anyway, but you know this draft class we're talking about. So this what if scenario. Top 10. Picking the top 10. And we are redrafting the 2003 NBA draft class. Perfect. Are you ready? Yes, sir. 
Alrighty. I think we agree the number one overall pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers select LeBron James, right? Yes, easily. No explanation for that? None. Number two, who do you got? Carmelo Anthony. I just think that's the like uh, everything I've seen points to the fact that having him in there, uh, nothing against Tayshawn Prince, but um, you know, it's kind of a wonder looking at that roster when they when they won the championship that that they did because they didn't seem super deep. I mean, there were no stars on that team. Um, I think Carmelo could bring star power in the future. Well, obviously not in year one, but just a really adept piece. Um, and yeah, I think it's a good choice. Uh, number two. I, yeah, I agree with you, but I was really, really tempted to go off the brand and take Chris Bosch because they did need a, they, they did they did need a four. I felt Bosch could be really good in there. How about arguing that? But the hype around Mello at the time was just so unreal that it's it would be stupid not to go with Mello. Like I feel I can make somewhat of a talk for Bosch, but it's Gabby Mello at two. So number three now the Denver Nuggets. Well, now that Mello's off the board, um, hmm, let's go with Wade, Dwayne Wade. I, w- I went back and forth between Dwayne Wade and Bosch here. Um, I'll go Wade three. Well, good for go. Good luck for you because I went Chris Bosch at three. Again, oh. like four words, I think of this time. Go back to all three. You know, if you had a good four, a good five, like it meant something different back then than it does now. If you have like a really quality five, it's like, Okay, we still need guards. It's a guard dominated league nowadays. In 03, it's a little different. You know, Bosch and we are both coming off big, big NCAA tournament runs with their teams. And, uh, you know, I think Bosch probably gets a little more value because of the way the league was at the time. I think, yes, be a good fit there. So, number four, Toronto. I'm guessing I know what this pick is. Yes. This is Chris Bosch, Toronto. All right. I have Dwayne Wade here because. I mean, best available player at the time. Yep. I'm Marquette. Like, it makes too much sense, right? Right. All right. Number five, the Miami Heat. See, that's where it's tough um, because, you know, they took Wade, who's a combo guard. Um, You know, let's go Heinrich. Let's go Kirk Heinrich here at five um, from Kansas, the point guard. Um, if I remember correctly, did they have Gary Payton at this time, Miami? Or did he come? Um, he was just on his way to the Lakers. Actually, he would sign the oh. Lakers like after the draft. Okay, yeah. So, so Heinrich is a pick here. He's the pick here. So for me, again, I go best available player. You have Alonzo Mourning, but obviously he's not the spring check anymore. And- you know, the best available player for me is uh, happened to uh, walk the same campus we did. Yep. I went Chris Kamen here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has solid, solid over a decade NBA career. Uh, him and Morning, because that could have been a good duo for a couple years. Uh, obviously, Shaq's still in LA, so you may have a need of a big to go with Alonzo. So I went Kamen. Uh, right. Number six, the Los Angeles Clippers. I have Chris Kamen here. Um, All right. Fuck. So I looked at some of these guys that went later. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, same spot. At this point, the Clippers were just absolute dumpster fire. So I went uh, with another, all, another all-star another player, really good player in this class. Um, I went David West. I think he's still going forward. They got this point right now. It's the best forward still on the board. 
Uh, we almost can't have a big career he had, so I went David West at six. Well, good news for you. Um, David West is coming up here pretty soon on mine. So. Son of a gun. Let me guess. Chicago at seven? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, Chicago at seven. I love David West. Um, he was around for a long time. I don't think he ever won a title, uh, which was unfortunate, but he uh, – He did. He did with the Warriors. He was a bench player. That's one right. with Golden State. He went. He took a one-year vet minimum with Golden State. Yep. Uh, but, yep, there you go. I got David West at seven. So, for me, I went Stelgard. Um, I went some of the Bulls eventually have for a little while. I took Al Corver. Okay. A three-point artist. Again, he played with the Bulls for a little while. Balanced around the league. Um, you know, good, good, good solid, too. They can shoot the ball really well. So, yep. I went Corver here, Al Creighton. Number eight, the Milwaukee Bucks. This is where it gets a little shaky, I feel, for me. You know, I've got Kendrick Perkins here at eight. Mm. Um, Perkins, 14 years. Uh, kind of is getting himself in trouble with his mouth now on, on ESPN. A lot of people don't agree with him, but uh, I thought he was pretty solid uh, as a big man. Uh, looks like, excuse me, um, Memphis drafted him, was big with OKC. Um, and, yeah. Oh, don't you dare forget about us running Boston. He's a big part of that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Boston was the other one I was thinking of. Big uh, pass during five was insane. So for me, I, uh, Milwaukee, um, you have Michael Red at this point, but I don't, I can't remember. You really didn't have much of a point guard. And for me, knowing what he did, a point guard for the team he was on, you could argue like, yeah, he had a guy with him. But for me, I went Mo Williams. Mo Williams. That's a good pick. Mo Williams. The guy who's also played another, another about a decade. Um, the point guard, at least a part of those Cavs teams in the 2000s, uh, that featured, uh, you know, LeBron James and uh, Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, no, not Alejandro, I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Villanueva, I believe. And uh, I'm sorry, no, Anderson Verajal. Get your names right, Mitch. Holy smokes, Anderson Verajal. And then uh, their center, I might even do a try to pronounce that, so I'll say Big Z, Belgaskis, or whatever. I can't remember his, I his first name, but. Something like that, but you get, but, but anyway, y'all get the point. Mo Williams here at eight. So number nine, I like that. New York Knickerbockers. All right, what um, you got? I am going to take. Gosh, it's tempting to go with a meme here. I'm not going to. I really like the Mo Williams pick. I am gonna go with Matt Bonner. Matt Bonner, the forward. What they used to call him Big Red. Um, he wasn't the Red Mamba, or maybe he was the Red Mamba. I get my Mambas mixed up. Uh, uh that that was Brian Scalabrini, I believe, was the Red Mamba. Well, I thought he was Boston. the White Mamba. He was a redhead, so I thought he was Red Mamba. Yeah, who knows? I get like I said, I get my Mambas mixed up. But send my guy Matt Bonner to the bright lights, the big city. All right, so for me at nine. Um, I I I had to look up the guy when I saw him, but I forgot he was part with uh, one of my favorite teams. But it was part of that 06 Mavericks squad that I just love to watch. Love the guys like uh, Derek Nowitzki and uh, Jason Terry. But I had another guy who the next take here, Josh Howard. Okay, solid, solid and ten-year NBA career. As you're talking next year, so went uh, Howard here and the number ten. Wrap it all up, the Washington Wizards. Who you got? Boris Diaw. Another dude with a long career. 
there was a trend here. I just picked guys with long careers. Um, Boris Diel, a glue guy who uh, I remember he's with the Spurs. Don't remember a ton about his career. I didn't think he was a super notable guy, but uh, just a good addition that they would have been able to have in, uh, in Washington. Right on. So for me, um, I'm going to guard. I understand you have agent zero here, but yeah, I think a good combo. I think having two, two good guards at this point would be really good. Uh, especially with Antoine Jameson still on your roster at this point. Uh, I will, I talk Kirk Heinrich here. Okay. I think, I think that duo will, will be, uh, be real fun, be real fun to watch. So yeah, that was our uh, top 10. Uh, our, for what if the, our versions of the top 10 of the 2003 NBA draft, uh, Notice how Darko Milicic was even close to sniffing our lists. Wouldn't sniff the first round. Wouldn't even sniff the second round, in my opinion. Yeah. Alrighty, so. Christian, are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Positive. Yep. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a favorite segment of the week. It's in this. Austin Austinville last week, and he did atrocious on yeah, trivia I, about Space Jam. I felt bad for him. Now, let me ask you the bonus question about the five NBA players who got their, their uh, talent stolen. But you've gotten all five or four of them even? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Which one? So so, so you, you know who Sean Bradley was then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen Space Jam. I mean, I've watched it. He Poor guy. It sounded like he'd never seen it. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was uh, a little interesting. But for this one, obviously the Wings got a lot of draft picks. And I remember we talked about on the disaster drafting toward sports how a lockout hit and everything changed how to draft. Wings couldn't draft. But this team figured it out. This is the season, even though I'm not the big, biggest fan of this team, I think this this year, this team, like I going back, I respect the living crap out of. Yes. Because it wasn't the 13 team that made me cry my senior year of high school. Um, it is the two th- trivia on the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, first question number one. Patrick Kane led the team in goals. How many goals did he score in 2009-2010? 31. Final answer? Yes. Incorrect. He had 30. Shoot, are you serious? Dang it. All right. So close. That was just off the top of my head. <clears throat> All right. So, Patrick Kane was also the team's leading scorer. Who for the second? And I'll, I'll give you back the point for the first question if you get his point to the right. Duncan Keith. That is correct. How many points, though? Total 52. Final answer? Yes. Incorrect, but I don't blame you for not knowing that. It's actually one of my favorite numbers. 69. 69, okay. Uh, 69 points. All right, this next question here is a multiple choice. Which of the following players did not play play for the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks in the postseason? Is it Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufflin, Martin Havlett, or Nicholas Jalmerson? Uh, Lad, the first one. Final answer? Yes. Incorrect. Shoot. 
The answer was Martin Hamlet. He played the 0809 squad, but was not part of the team until 2010. Okay. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty sure him getting crowdwalled against Detroit was probably one of his last big memories with Chicago. Uh-huh. But Land above Land Buffalo were both getting shipped off to the then Atlanta Thrashers in the offseason because the salary cap issues. You know, had to keep Keenan Taves over those two. So, are you ready for the bonus question? Yes, I am. So. 2010 finals in game six. Patrick Kane gets the overtime game winner. And the only people that know it's a goal at this point are Patrick Kane and the ref behind the net. Philadelphia had some goaltending issues, but this guy was probably the most solid entire regular season. And he was kind of shut down the postseason up until that point. The question is, who was the goalie that Patrick Kane scored on to seal their Stanley Cup victory? Shoot. Um... Uh, uh, um, um, Tim Thomas. That's your final answer. Yes. I Incorrect, though I don't blame you. Was it the, um, the answer is Michael Light. I respect, I respect you guessing Tim Thomas. I really do. Unfortunately, unfortunately it was with Boston. So, so yeah, be it. But you're going for three, missed the bonus round. You know, not bad for your, your first week back. Yeah. So, Christian, question of the week. Question of the week here. Obviously, you were shut down because of, uh, a certain virus that is going yeah. around. Uh, the question of the week, because I had this back late September, early October, and uh, so we can both answer this. What did you do during uh, what, what kept you entertained sports wise uh, during your quarantine? Oh gosh, um, let's see. I went for a walk, tried to be active at, at least twenty minutes every day. I wasn't in here. Um, rolled the quad around. We got a quad at our house. I rolled that around for a little while. Um, like I said, try to stay active. And then the big thing for me was I purchased a subscription to HBO Max. Oh, um, boy. And I watched Eastbound and Down, my all-time <laughs> favorite television show, Eastbound and Down, Kenny Powers. Here. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Um, I almost said his, his signature catchphrase. But, uh, no, I tried my best to stay in tune with the world. It was difficult because my head was pounding. Um, but, yeah, man. HBO Max, um, rip, ripping around on the ATV, and um, also we got pigs. Uh, my little brother shows pigs at the fair, and we got those this weekend too. What about right you? on? Uh, did you did you watch the Tiger Woods uh, special? Uh, Not yet, yeah, no, but it's on the bucket list. I was about to say, if you get a chance to watch that, definitely watch it. Ten out of ten, recommend. Really explains Tiger very well. Um. Yeah, when I was under mine, um, definitely, uh, definitely a lot of Simpsons, a lot of football, and uh, but being honest, my biggest entertainment was napping. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie, because my fatigue was unreal. But but no, just um, yeah, a lot of football. This back in October, so yep. I have office. But yeah, so Christian, any last things you want to get off your chest before we sign off for this episode? No, sir. All right, just a quick shout out here. Um, rest in peace to uh, the man who's going to give it to you. Leave the Rough yeah, Riders. DMX. DMX. Rest in peace, my good sir. One of the most wholesome, classiest guys in probably oh, yeah. the rap world, really. But, yep. Yeah, so, till next time, for Christian Brewer, I'm Mitch Bosworth. Stick to the